And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 125 of The Drop Set here, June 7th, Friday. Uh, it's 11-ish in the morning. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me. Once again, um, let me just start off with it here right now. The call-in number, 865-518-2974, thedropset.com. Go there. You can check out episode archives. You can see the call-in number right there. There's a poll at the top of the website. That is uh, old news at this point. I have not put a new one up there, uh, but it'll, it'll be coming back. So... Uh, what do we got? We got a lot of stuff to go over today. It's Friday. Uh, it's, uh, boy, it's, it's, it's been a wild week. And I was, I was debating, like, how should I relay what has been going on in my world, if I should at all? Uh, and I, I came to the conclusion, I think, and we'll see as I start opening my mouth and babbling right now, we'll see if I stick to that. But my conclusion is to be very vague and not say a whole lot. So it worked out like this. This last week, I think it was around Sunday, um, I had a non-life-threatening <laughs> medical issue come up. That re Really, it, it was an inconvenience more than anything else, but it was the biggest inconvenience of my life, and it had me as miserable as I've ever been in my entire life. I'm better now. It's all good, and uh, I think that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> so that'll, that'll get everybody wondering, like, huh, what in the world is he talking? And I tell you, if you ask me about it, I will not tell you. So if you, you can feel free to message me or do whatever, but I will say nothing else about it. Suffice to say, this week has been off. I have not slept well. I have not lifted well. Uh, I have managed to stay up to date on um, client work and updates. Uh, I've actually been good on my diet, actually. I haven't really had any issues with that. Just anything physical, like anything requiring movement or being awake uh, has, has been a serious challenge. So I, I was working on about three and a half to four hours sleep um, for, for several days in there. And I, I'm more of like an eight hours of sleep kind of guy. So that had me uh, just, boy, I, I tell you what, I went in on... Tuesday because I was I was going to be stubborn and just say like hey you know what I'm still going to go I'm going to lift I'm going to do my thing etc I went on on Tuesday for a back day I did the first exercise and I threw up my hands and I was like fuck this no I'm done tap out take a hard pass I'm done no thank you so and I went home and came back the next day and it was passable at least it was okay uh and then yesterday, what yesterday was arms, and you know, I I finally had a good night's sleep Wednesday going into Thursday. So I woke up yesterday. I'm like, hey, this is good, but you know, uh, or or at least like I should be feeling good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was still tired. I was out of it. So I did I did some arms. I I went for like 40, 45 minutes. It was really kind of half-assed. Um, and I'm I'm a little peeved just because I've got this vacation coming up, and I'm gonna be. You know, I will not be peeping the inside of a gym for nine days probably, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but at the same time, 
I kind of want to be hitting it hard right now. And so this week was definitely a, a setback in that regard. But eh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It is what it is. And uh, the, the good news is I'm feeling better and more like myself right now. It was really touch and go there for a bit. Uh, funny note, funny story here. I mentioned, uh, and we worked through this in the podcast uh, last week, I think, uh, doing uh, macronutrient substitutions for the meal prep company that I uh, uh, started going through locally here. And I, I mentioned, like, you know, they are uh, not sponsors here or anything like that. It's Clean Eats. I'll mention them because I'm really enjoying the stuff. I mean, it's good. It's way better than the stuff that I make. So, uh, and the, the convenience of not having to meal prep is great. Uh, and it simplifies grocery shopping. So now, you know, I'm not really, I, I still have four meals for my, that I, uh, make myself, but they are all largely non-perishable type things or things that really, you know, I don't run out of supply of very regularly. So I can go grocery shopping and pick up stuff for like two weeks and not have to go back to the grocery store again, which is awesome. That is possibly like one of the biggest bonuses of doing this is just spending less time at the grocery store, plus no time meal prepping. And then when it's time for dinner, instead of like, oh, time to make the donuts. If you've seen that commercial, I'm not actually having donuts, but you know, it's the old Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Time to make the donuts and get everything out of the fridge, measure it all. I mean, yeah, it takes like, you know, seven or eight minutes. It's not a big deal, but you just day after day, you get sick of it. And now, all I do is I, I look at the post-it note that I wrote out during last week's podcast, and like right now I'm like, well, what uh, what is it? Today is Friday. Friday I'm having um, pepperoni chicken and good for you nachos. So okay, great. So I'm just gonna grab one of those out of the fridge, stick it in the micro, 90 seconds, eat. Oh, okay, it's so much better. God, it's so it's so much easier, and all the macros are already plugged in on my fitness pal. So if you have the ability to do this. Uh, and you're lazy like me, I'm telling you, it's a big win. So anyway, this is not a commercial for Clean Eats, actually quite the opposite. <laughs> so on Thursdays, they send out their updated menu for the week. And let me just pull it up here really quick. Because um, I was really, uh, actually, let me go to my email because I want the attachment that was on there. Uh, okay, so here we go. New meal plan menu. So they, they give a macro matrix with this, which is just a downloadable PDF, which has all the macros spelled out for all of their options as well. So um, on the menu this week, chicken tortellini, taco pasta, cashew chicken, bacon barbecue burger, Cajun chicken, blueberry Belgian waffles. So no seafood garbage here because that just cut one of those options out last week entirely. Uh, this is good. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on it for this. Of course, I'm only going to be here for three days next week because I pick, I'd pick this up on Tuesday. I'll be here for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and that's it. So um, six meals, basically, I can have like one of these each, <laughs> uh, which is kind of lame. But um, so I, I, I like the menu, but I'm looking here at the numbers. I'm like, okay, so um, let's see, chicken tortellini, like the, the regular numbers, that will, all these will be in protein, carb, fat numbers in that order. 40, 48, 13. Like, all right, cool. Well, extra protein... 30, 45, 15. So wait, the extra protein option has 10 grams fewer protein than the normal option. Huh? That ain't right. Um, and then scrolling down, scrolling down the barbecue bacon burger, um, 26, 40, 17, or, um, the extra protein option, 26, 17, 20. So wait, the extra protein option has the same amount of protein, half the carbs and more fat. 
huh. But for some reason, the gluten-free portion has higher protein and then higher carb. I'm like, okay, so they got those backwards. They got those backwards. They got something, uh, they had a typo up on up here. So I found four distinct errors in their macro matrix. So I am the macro police now for clean eats, apparently. So I emailed them like, hey, you got some errors here. And I, I did get a response back from them and said, oh, yeah. So it came from corporate and... uh we're fixing that. We'll reissue it on Sunday when we send out our reminder email. Well, their deadline is Sunday night. So I'm like, screw you guys. So now I've got to wait until the absolute last minute to put together my meals for the week because you didn't get your numbers right on Thursday. And so you're just going to take a pass for three days, sit on your hands and not update it. So no, I'm not really okay with that. That's lame. That is lazy, lazy. Now I do appreciate that they're fixing it, but to take three days to fix some typos, that's lazy, especially when you're working in a time sensitive business. So, um, that being said, I feel like there's a very natural segue to the next thing that I want to talk about. It's time for the airing of grievances. Pet peeve of the week. Oh, yes, that's right. By popular demand, it is back. At least for a little while. We'll see how it goes. Um, as long as I have anything uh, useful to, uh, to complain about. Well, usefulness isn't really the point of this segment. The point is for me to have a little catharsis and... Uh, <laughs> Just, uh, I don't know, try and get a little bit of relief from something here. So um, right now, my, uh, my pet peeve is uh, a little lighthearted. And this is something that many, many, many of my uh, clients are guilty of. So if that is you, understand that, yeah, when I, when I see this from you, I do twitch a little bit. It triggers me a little bit, but I get over it real fast. And if I haven't uh, said anything to you about it. And I, I, I never really correct anybody on this. Um, but, uh, if I haven't said anything to you about it, you can tell like, okay, clearly it's not that important. And trust me, I'll be the first one to admit this is not important at all, but nonetheless, I'm a big believer in calling things by their proper names. And so when somebody says something like, um, I went to the gym today and all of my workouts felt great. Immediately, I'm like, oh, God. No, all of the exercises felt great. A workout is a collection of exercises. It's what you do in a day. An exercise is an individual movement. So somebody said, like, the, the leg press was occupied, so I couldn't do that workout. And immediately, I'm like, wait, the leg press was taken, so you just went home? What? Oh, no, you, you couldn't do that exercise, Exer that, and I tell you what, some people are out there right now, and I know, I know you're out there listening like, wait, pe people get those two things confused? Yeah, they really do, and it's really common. So again, all my clients out there that have made this mistake, I love you. It's okay. We're still friends. We're still friends, and now you know, but this is my way of saying like, man, a lot of people make this mistake, and uh, it it's a big deal for me. So while I'm on the subject of words that bother me, let me also just say another one here. I really cannot stand the word fitness. I hate it so much. I, I hate everything about it. Um, like when, when somebody, if, they're, if their Instagram profile says something like, one, one of the things that they're interested in, fitness, I'm like, oh God, delete, buy, skip, no, no, no. I mean, it's just, it's so generic. It doesn't mean anything. 
I, just, I don't know. It's, it's, I can't even really explain it. It's like the three other words that I was able to come up with. There are a bunch of these words. Everybody has these words. I mean, the most common one that people have an issue with, and I'm going to say it here just because I, I don't want to be very vague and say like the C word because it's not the one that you're thinking of when I say that. Um, or the M word, which probably is the one that you're thinking of. But I'm going to actually say the words right now. So just be ready. The other words that, you know, p- other people are bothered by these words as well. It's not just me. Well, I don't know. Some of them might just be me. But the one that is almost universal uh, among people who are, you know, OCD enough or just, you know, clearly like not in their right mind enough to be triggered just by the sound of words. But the most common one, you know, it's coming moist. Okay, I'm never going to say it again, but that was it. I, I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit just saying it. It's an awful word. For some reason, however, moisture, I'm fine with that. That doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me at all. Um, another one that I really can't stand. Creamy. Oh, God. Oh, oh no, no. I cannot deal with it. And uh, another one that I really cannot stand. And this comes up a lot. And people will use this word in their check-ins. And then if I'm talking about it back, I have to change the word. Um, this one is thigh. Oh, God. I cannot stand that word. So, um, now if you take those words that I have an issue with, I don't know. I think, I feel like a therapist might have a field day with that. <laughs> That's probably relatively inappropriate. I didn't really want to go there, but there we went anyway. Um, it's something, it's something about those words specifically in whatever context, if you're talking about like the, um, fattier cut that you can get from a chicken, not a breast, but a, mm, that, yeah, I can't stand it there either. But if some, someone is talking about, I carry a lot of body fat in my mm, region, you know, the, they're, they're talking about the upper leg. It specifically is talking about the space between the knee and the hip. That's what we're referring to here. And I'm, I'm going to say quads and hams. That's what it is. We're talking about carrying body fat in your quads and hams. Or if somebody says my mm are underdeveloped, I'm like, your legs. Your legs are underdeveloped. That is the word that we use here. So we're not using the T word. No. No, 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 no. So, yeah, I guess the pet peeve of the week this week is all about words and then uh, using them incorrectly. So a workout is a session. An exercise is a movement. So, okay. That being said, let's get on to weightier subject matter, please. Hi, Darren. This is Maria calling from Seattle, Washington. I'm just calling about an earlier comment that you sent me uh, regarding sodium intake and how it can cause weight fluctuations. So I took a closer look at my sodium intake, and I'm getting about 4 grams on some days, um, anywhere from 3 to 4 grams on a daily basis, which is well above the recommended sodium intake. Because I'm on a cut and sodium causes you to retain water, I'm wondering, first of all, does this make me look less lean than I really am? Second of all, should I be worried? Is this in any way going to inhibit my progress? And third of all, should I be tracking or restricting my sodium intake? Sodium or salt has no calories, and when I'm eating mostly vegetables, it's really it's what I got. It's, I mean, that's if that's what it takes for me to be compliant with my diet, then is it really such a bad thing to be consuming so much? Would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Um, thank you so much. Bye. 
Awesome question. Thank you, Maria. So um, I'll answer your last question first. Is it a bad thing? No. Good God, no. No, as far as I'm concerned, there are about seven food groups. Um, let me see. I can't even remember the four basic ones. What? Meat, vegetables, dairy, fruit. Are fruits and veggies the same thing? Grains? Guts. Clearly, uh, I am I am not USDA compliant. But then there's also um, there's donuts. There's just raw sugar, which is a food group. Um, Entenmann's Donuts specifically is a food group. Um, I think Oreos are a food group, and salt is another food group. So um, I try to get a, a balanced intake of all of those, except maybe fruit. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't really care too much about dairy. Um, so, yeah, sodium intake, uh, here is a key distinction. Fluctuations in sodium intake will cause weight fluctuations. If your sodium intake is relatively high, then it's, it's not not a concern there, uh, as long as it is consistently relatively high. And I always throw in the caveat: uh, unless you have a legitimate medical reason to be concerned about having it high, if you are predisposed to higher blood pressure, for example. So uh, check all the typical risk fact risk factors that you would associate with elevated sodium intake. But for many of us. I would I would venture to say probably most it's fine especially as athletes um, you know one of the things that we lose through sweat is sodium so if you don't replenish it you will have a lower blood sodium concentration level um, which can inhibit um, muscular performance so muscles won't work or contract as well so for that reason I'm always a big fan of slightly elevated sodium intake if not a little more than slightly elevated um, will it make you look less lean well you know, when you bump up your sodium intake, it will uh, encourage your body to retain a little bit more water. What I have found is that if I am consistent with it, it doesn't really matter. It's when I spike it up that my fluid retention will spike up with it. If it's consistently high for several days, however, your body will kind of even that out for the most part. There can always be exceptions for that, but that's been what I've found. Uh, will it inhibit your progress? No. If anything, it will help it just because uh, having those levels non-depleted um, will have you performing better. And therefore, when you perform and move better, um, your uh, chances for progress are much better as well. Um, should you restrict it? No. Track it? No, I wouldn't. You know, for me... I know about how many turns of the salt grinder I put on a meal, and so I just match that on a daily basis. And I'm not counting, but you know, I also know like how much I want things salted to taste. Um, so I just go for consistency on that. I'm certainly not measuring it. Never have, never will, or anything like that. So um, no, that's a great question. Though, if you're hitting between three and four grams, I think the um, RDA is about uh, two thousand to twenty two hundred milligrams, something like that. Two thousand twenty five hundred. Um, so um, you're, you're not much north of that, and that, keep in mind, is a recommended daily allowance for someone who is not an athlete, not depleting themselves of sodium um, regularly through sweat. So yeah, you're in a good place there, Maria. I, it's, it's good to ask, and <laughs> the one thing I would say is when you're eating mostly vegetables, uh, don't oversell it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're going on a lot of vegetables to try and get some food volume in there. I, I can appreciate that. You're, you're getting a fair bit of protein as well, though. Maybe, maybe not as much as you might like, but yeah, I, I know. I know what your macros look like. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it can feel like mostly vegetables, especially if you're like using those tricks to uh, try and you know keep the stomach full with some higher volume meals. But to, no, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, it, at the end of the day, I would say no, don't sweat it. Um, be consistent with it, but certainly don't try and be overly restrictive with it. It won't pay off in any kind of productive way. 
Hi, Darren. My name is Keely Beaudry, and I'm calling from Canada, the Great White North. Um, I've been listening to your podcast now for probably, like, a really gung-ho five days. I'm binging, man. You rock. Um, I just finished the wellness division and your call out to uh, gain some love. So I just wanted to call in and ask. I am a women's physique competitor and currently eight weeks out from my competition. I'm getting, again, another calorie reduction. No cardio, though, but just like you said before, it's like, oh, yeah, you're doing everything right. Okay, there goes some more macros. And I'm wondering, what's your opinion on cutting carbs or cutting fat? Because protein's got to stay up there. I mean, i got to go on stage and eat some muscles. Anyway, wanted to send you my love from Toronto, Ontario. Again, my name's Keely. You're cool, man. Thanks. Bye. Hey. You're cool, man. Thank you. Keely, was I hearing that right? I think so. Um, from from Canada, nonetheless. Thank you. Good to hear from you. Um, so, full disclosure, I have been, um, you know, we were working through some other messages. That was actually from May 27th. So, uh, let me just go back on the calendar here. Let's check it here. Let's see what's up with Keely. So, that was a Monday. Um, so, eight weeks out right then. We'll, we'll call it maybe more like seven weeks, five days. I don't know. So, right now, you're looking at like six weeks in a day probably. So, you're about six weeks out right now. So, good luck. Uh, you've probably had another change since then. Um, congratulations, maybe. I don't know. Um, so, women's physique, cutting macros, carbs or fats. So, first of all, it's fairly... Um, I mean, Knowing that you're competing in physique, great. As far as answering the question, I would... Uh, really venture to say it probably doesn't matter what division you're in with some exceptions there. Um, what might matter a little bit more is looking at the amount of overall development that you have. Um, and then also, this is something where I won't answer this in a vacuum, but I'll give you some insight as to my thought process when I'm doing this. If somebody is coming in and let's say they are going, uh, you know, bikini division, or maybe they're um, trying to transition into figure, they're a little undersized, or they're doing men's physique, maybe don't have, they aren't packing a ton of lean tissue on. Um, I'm going to feel, you know, it, it, again, there are so many things to consider, like what's their lifting performance like? Um, and, and I don't just mean like relative to like uh, how it was five weeks ago, like is it tapering off? But like, how strong is this person? Like, what is their performance? Like, what is their output like? Um, and then just looking at them, you know, basically, you know, how jacked are you? You know, how much tissue are you carrying around? That's going to be something that factors into my thinking here. So, um, when you're carrying around less tissue, um, overall, like, you know, a, a lot of, uh, competitors in the bikini division, or if you're just starting out, regardless of what division you're in, if you might consider yourself on stage undersized, I would say I, I would be concerned less, assuming your performance is okay, I would be concerned less about pulling back your carbs. If you're a big dude or a big gal and you're carrying a lot of muscle, um, I'm going to want to keep those carbs in until it becomes beneficial to actually really have you flat. Um, I don't necessarily, I'm not a big believer in keeping somebody flat for their whole prep. Um, you know, that's one of the main principles behind doing a, a diet that's based around ketosis. I'm not a big fan of that for most people. Um, so if, if we can keep carbs in and if we can continue to see progress like that, great. And if I have to pull some fats away in order to make that happen, I don't care. I'll do that. And I don't, I won't feel bad about it either. Um, and, uh, so yeah, you, you're right in saying, you know, protein's got to stay up there. We can make some concessions there. It just depends on 
how high it is. If it's super high, like if you are going to be rocking on stage at about 130 pounds and you're going for 220 grams of protein a day, like hold the phone, we can lose some calories in that column. That is more than you need right now. Um, so I'm, I might not be too hesitant about pulling that back. And then what that might do is give you some in another column to, to you know bring in some extra fats, bring in some extra carbs, which then we can take away later on. <laughs> so we, we giveth and then we taketh away. As coaches, it is what we doeth. Uh, so yeah, um, carbs or fats. I, I was thinking about this and I was having a conversation with, um, well, a conversation, a, a, a client of mine had a check-in just this morning, actually, David from New Orleans. Hey man, how you doing? Um, and he actually had an interesting story, um, to tell about, um, cause he, he works as a, a, a EMT. And so he had, a conversation in like a continuing ed class about burn victims. And so he was asking, because he's a curious guy, about um, what kind of macros do, do burn victims need? <laughs> and, uh, and they said, proteins and carbs, proteins and carbs. Um, they're less worried about um, fat intake, and they actually want to keep it lower for um, like uh, liver reasons. So, and I thought that was interesting, because I'm thinking like, well, you know, the things that I associate with dietary fats are health in your skin, hair, and nails. And so as a burn victim, I'm thinking like dietary fats because those are going to help um, your uh, uptake of uh, fat-soluble fat vitamins. So it wasn't a concern for them, though, or at least they had more pressing concerns that uh, encouraged them to focus on proteins and carbs. So I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, so... It, it really depends. I don't, I will rarely ever feel bad about pulling away fats, but sometimes, um, it can be more productive if, in my experience, if you're carrying a little bit less tissue, uh, if you're, you're just packing a little less muscle, I find that if we can, you know, achieve a similar deficit by keeping the fats up and pulling the carbs down, um, it's probably going to have a less uh, less of an impact on your performance. The problem there is it's going to have a greater impact on your appetite. So that's another thing is I will take that into consideration. Like how is somebody's mental state? Do I feel like they got this and I can do whatever? And if I wanted to eat paint chips and broken glass for two weeks, they could do it. Or if I take away 20 more grams of carbs from this person, then this show is over because they're going to break and binge and it's just, you know, it's, it's game over. So that is a factor that I consider as well. And I think some people might say as a coach, you shouldn't worry about that stuff, but I, I, I am worried about first and foremost, getting someone to the show that they have set a goal on and then getting them to that show as a secondary goal in the best condition we possibly can. But you got to get there first. And if, uh, if, if dietary changes make it so that it's just not going to happen, I don't necessarily think that's a, a good thing or a sign of a, an effective or responsible coach that's doing what they've been hired to do. I think a lot of, a lot of coaches uh, mistakenly think that they run the show. And so I'm like, no, you've been hired. Let's keep that in mind. You're a contractor. You don't run shit. Okay, you've been hired to do a job for somebody, and so get that job done. That's what you got to do. Um, but yeah, I, it, it, so Keely, of course, to answer your question, it depends. Anybody see that coming? I mean, that was that was an easy one. That was an easy one. But it, it does depend on a lot of factors. So like mental health, um, overall development, body type can factor into it a little bit as well. Um, how low other numbers are, or how high other numbers are. Like if you are like, let, let's say me, you know, my macros currently are 300, 310, 120. So if I was going to cut right now and let's say I start my cut and I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's keep, keep our carbs high. Let's start our cut at 300, 310, 40. Okay. 
that sucks. I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss, you know, (laughs) two thirds of my fats there. I I will miss that. I will feel that that will hurt a little bit, but Hey, I get to keep my carbs at least. And you know, realistically I can make that work pretty easily. I wouldn't really break the bank too much. Just swap out some whole eggs for some egg whites, get rid of a serving of cashews, probably ditch my protein bar. Um, you know, I've got some peanut butter in the afternoon, kill that off. And then I just have to get, I'd probably stop using my meal prep service and start making my own stuff again. Eh, easy enough. Cool. Um, and then at that point, further adjustments, well, they're going to come from carbs because 40 is probably about as low as I would want to take my own fats. Um, for a woman, I might go as low as 30, uh, but not too much lower than that. And I have seen, um, people outline their, um, pre-contest diets and they'll, they'll have like 15 grams of fat or something like that. I just find that to be really, really ineffective for most people. You can get really lean like that. It's not terribly healthy. Um, and there are ways to do this that can be effective and still, um, still not have you sacrificing that kind of stuff. So, uh, so Keely, it's great to have you listening. Good luck in six weeks. Um, I hope Toronto is staying, uh, relatively warm ish. Well, it's summer. It shouldn't be a big issue, right? I mean, you guys have summer up there too. It's not like you're in, uh, I don't know, Siberia or anything like that. I think probably even in Siberia, they have summer, but anyway, uh, good to have you here. Thank you for listening. Absolutely, please call in again. I will take whatever love anyone wants to throw at me. And honestly, if somebody calls up and says, hey, Darren, you are a giant douchebag, and here is why. I have enumerated 14 reasons why you're a giant douche. Here they are, number one. Honestly, you know what? I'd probably play that too because I think a lot of people would get a kick out of that. I might not be one of them, but uh, you know, it's not about what I want. It's about what you guys want. So, um, I have a feeling somebody's somebody's gonna be like, "Oh, I got this for the good of the podcast." I'm gonna make that call. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Darren, my name is Dave Christensen. I'm out of Boise, Idaho. Uh, kind of a I'm kind of a bigger guy. I did construction my whole life, but I've kind of resold that business, and now I am hitting the gym pretty hard, and I've gotten some great results in the last I don't know nine months or so. But I'm just wondering about overtraining. I just don't seem to be making any gains. My diet is. Um, pretty on point, although, you know, I've heard, I've been listening to your show, I know that clean eating is a whoopee-doo, I just, something's going on with my, it's either my age or my uh, overtraining, I'm just not clear about how to identify those things, and so I guess the question I'd like you to answer is, um, for a 50-year-old guy, I'm 50 in a couple months, for a 50-year-old guy, what does overtraining look like as far as progress is concerned? Um, I mean, I feel good. But I got a lot of delayed onset muscle soreness that lasts for, I don't know, for instance, leg day lasts, if I do leg day Monday, it lasts till Thursday. And then, uh, and I'm listening to you talking about, you know, on and on and on with twice a week. And I just look at myself going, I can't do it. Anyways, if you could uh, sort of answer that question, if I've phrased it correctly, worthwhile enough for you to answer on, on the air, that'd be great. Thanks. Bye. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. Good question. So, um, how is Boise, by the way? I have a cousin in Boise. Um, so you said good results in the last nine months or so, but worried about overtraining. You said your diet is pretty on point. So I would stop you there. And whenever we say that, um, I'm always going to say like, that's the first place I would start. Cause pretty on point tells me that there's some wiggle room that we can improve upon. 
And I have often said, uh, I've, I've said here, but I often say it to clients, you know, if you are 90% adherent to your diet, that's great. The difference in going from 90 to 100% as far as the effort that you expend is not that great. It's just like cutting out this, doing that instead of this, pretty easy, pretty minimal to go from 90 to 100%. But the difference in your results that you will see from that is significant. So if you are falling short of that 100%, the first thing I would do is say, get that in. Uh, so you didn't outline what your macros are. Um, so the first thing I might wonder is, you know, are they just insufficient for recovery? Um, if you're hitting it hard, uh, that, that, and that is the other variable here is, you know, the, the workout intensity, because if you are just absolutely crushing it and just destroying every workout, then this answer is going to be very different if you're going in and, you know, working as hard as I do, for example. <laughs> <laughs> which this last week has been like 50 or 60% basically because of the issues that I outlined before um, outlined and did not go into detail on. Um, so it, it, you know, for me, like uh, if I'm having recovery issues right now, uh, I'm going to think there's some kind of like autoimmune disease or something probably because I haven't been pushing that hard and my diet has been, uh, has been perfect this week actually. So then it's sufficient and I'm at a caloric, you know, a, a small surplus here. So, uh, my, my recovery is not being impacted negatively right now. So if I, if I was, and I'm not pushing just like with a beastly level of effort, there's something wrong. Um, now if you are, what does overtraining look like for me? Um, I think probably one of the early signs of it is impacted recovery. Um, and you'll, you'll know, like, uh, here, it's a really easy thing to try as well. So here you're working, you're working, you're going, your, your diet, let's say for, for sake of argument, let's say that it's not overly restrictive. You're at a little bit of a deficit here. You're hitting a reasonable amount of cardio. You're not like, uh, you know, a, a 50 year old guy who's 210 pounds on 1400 calories a day doing an hour and a half of cardio a day. Okay. That's unreasonable. And that's going to have you feeling and looking like the crypt keeper before too long. So we don't want that. But it, assuming that those things are not the case and that your diet is reasonable, it, it's, it's getting hit perfectly, but it's also reasonable. Like I say, take your body weight, multiply that by 10, and then subtract a little bit from that. And if you are um, around there for your caloric number, you're probably at a little bit of a deficit, so you're good. For, for most people of a, 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 an average size, that will help. If you have a really tiny frame and you're 110 pounds, well, I mean, the formula kind of breaks down there because 1,100 calories is not you know, close to maintenance for you. Uh, so, but you know, if you're a guy, 200 pounds, 2,000 calories, 1,900-ish, something like that, that should be a deficit, yeah. So that's a good ballpark. Uh, and if you are in that general range, you're probably okay. Uh, and if you're a little over that, okay, that, that's fine too. That might tell us something else. If you're significantly under that, I would look at an insufficient diet as being the first cause of, of why you might be feeling a little bit stuck. And certainly uh, too aggressive of a deficit is not necessarily helpful for leaning out. So um, what does overtraining look like is the big question there. And I think the first thing is, if you are falling into a pattern where, you know, historically uh, you'll get some soreness the next day and then it will start to ease up the next day and then a couple days later it's gone. If that's been your pattern and that is starting to change, that might be the first sign. The second sign, and this is a big one, is you wake up and you pack your gym bag and you get to the gym and you have a sense of, holy fuck, I don't want to be here. 
That that to me is what overtraining looks like, sounds like, and feels like. Uh, if you get to that point, you have probably gone too far. So if you're at the first stage right now, where just your recovery is slower, um, maybe maybe like waking up in the morning is harder, um, all that kind of stuff, and really you, you could even be. Um, uh, noticing like a slowdown in your appetite as well. It doesn't necessarily always have to go the other direction. Um, then I might start to think like, Hey, you know what? Homeboy could probably benefit from a day or two off from the gym, like an extra day or two off. If it's time for your scheduled rest day, well, clearly that schedule has been kind of, you know, having you dig your hole a little bit deeper and deeper. So it's probably insufficient. I would take an extra, maybe just to start out an extra two days off. So maybe you're out of the gym for three days, come back in, see how you feel. That might be all it takes. Um, I will say overtraining is not usually a concern for me in an otherwise healthy individual um, that does not have any kind of significant hormonal deficiencies if they're following like a uh, a bro split just because yeah you go in and you crush chest day great well that's you know 10% of the muscle in your body the other 90% is getting to recover a little bit so uh, training cyclically like that is uh, one of the reasons I favor it is because it's a lot harder to overtrain. It's not impossible. Some people are more predisposed to it than others. Uh, it's, it's kind of about the size of size of your motor. Um, you know, I'm thinking about Max, my client right now who he did, um, junior USAs and now we're, we're growing and we are focusing on a national show for 2020. Um, I had to kick and scream to get that guy to take a day off from the gym. And so he takes a day off like every month to six weeks. Um, he is an exception in that he does that and it works for him. Most people, it doesn't. And, you know, their performance starts to suck. Um, he's tracking his performance and his performance with that kind of a schedule continues to increase regularly. And he continues to grow regularly. Um, he did a great job preser preserving muscle on his last cut. So he is the exception. Um, just like similarly, you could have an exception where somebody um, can lift for three days in a row and then they're like out for the week. They're like, oh, I overdid it overdid it. It doesn't mean that one person is better than the other. It means that one person has a higher recovery capacity than the other. So understanding what your limit is and being open to changes in how you, um, how you assemble your split and how you schedule your week. Um, if you are currently lifting like, uh, four days on one day off, three days on one day off, you know, maybe you change it to three on uh, a three, one, two, one, on off schedule instead or something like that, you know, give yourself rest days more frequently. Um, maybe you just go to a two on one off and repeat. Uh, so it's two, one, two, one, two, one. Um, that might work better. Uh, and, but I would start by giving yourself a couple of extra rest days and see if your recovery improves and see if just your overall mood improves. Mood changes are one of those things where by the time you get there, it's too late. What we want to do is catch overtraining before it becomes a problem. Not that it's like, you know, mixing two colors of paint together. It's something that can't be undone, but just, you know, it, it's better to avoid that. Yeah, you, you would be better off taking an extra rest day or two off. Um, to, to keep yourself kind of running optimally rather than um, continuing to do it, have your performance continue to go down a little bit. Your workouts are lower and lower in quality. Your recovery is impacted more and more. Um, and then you end up having to take a week off. So 
it's a compounding issue where you have workouts that really you know, aren't really going to be uh, effective enough to really make a change in your physique, and then you're forcing yourself to take extra time off um, by the time you finally hit that wall and uh, you're crashing and burning and your mood is impacted. So uh, taking a couple days off, big time. That's what I would recommend. And I think that the mood indicators, if you get to that point, probably, uh, probably waited too long. But just using your recovery as a guide would be a big help. Um, so, uh, somebody pointed this out to me and for the life of me, oh, I also, uh, I almost forgot because I said I was going to talk about this and I told Lisa when she mentioned this in an Instagram message, I said I would bring it up. Um, so she, uh, I don't know if it'd be accurate to say she took issue with, but she did have, um, a, a comment on something that we talked about or that I talked about last week. Um, where is it? Here she is. There we go. Um, so um, th- this was talking about like pro qualifications at national shows. And so she says, quote, listening to the podcast now, stop midway to respond regarding WNBF and pro qualifications. My statements, uh, okay, your statements, I'm, I'm reading it, my statements, um, were incorrect. For WNBF, yes, you can get a pro card in your first show, but there are a number of quotas to receive a pro card. There must be 10 people in the class for all classes with the exception of fit body and women's bodybuilding, which is five. Also, the judging is grueling. Each class is up there for 20 to 25 minutes doing poses and quarter turns. Serious endurance required. This allows the judges to really look hard at each athlete and uh, to look at and assess each athlete and write out their feedback, which is sent to athletes who request it, including exact scoring. Just competed with them recently. Great organization. And so that is great. And then she corrected herself down the road. It was uh, something about the number quotas was a little bit different. Um, eight, eight and five rather than 10 and five. So, um, which that that is great. If that is the case, awesome. My most recent experience with the WNBF has it, it's a few years ago at this point, and the WNBF specifically is the organization that I hold up as the reason why I think a lot of these natural organizations are a little too rinky-dink and don't have their act together. Um, so I, I do remember I had a client who competed in a class of three and won her pro card in her first show, um, and that was a WNBF show. Um, this was in the Northeast, uh, Northeast U.S. Uh, and also the photos from that show were embarrassing. I'm not talking about the competition. I'm talking about the venue. It was like one of those portable stages that sits about, you know, 10 inches off the ground and it's about, you know, 15 feet wide and eight feet deep. There was a little curtain behind it. It was in like one of those, uh, hotel convention rooms, like where you would expect to have like a buffet breakfast or something. Fluorescent lights are up. There's no music or anything. I mean, it's like, holy crap. Somebody put this together. Like they were carrying the show around in the back of their truck and they just unloaded it here and here. Here we are like super, super unprofessional. There's just no presentation about it. And it's one of those things where it makes you say, what the hell did I pay for in my entry fee? Um, so there were two shows like that specifically, but they were both WNBF shows. So now it, it may be that it's different in Canada. I don't know. Um, it may be something promoter specific, which is something that Lisa said when I was um, chatting with her about it. Um, she said, uh, sounds like a promoter issue versus federation. At least I hope so. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, that being said, um, it, it just makes me wonder like, you know, how, how does that happen unless there have been changes as well? So I don't know. I don't have an answer for that, but I did just want to, um, bring up, uh, Lisa's objection and just note that and say, Hey, you know what? Maybe it is uh, maybe they, they have improved. Maybe it is better right now. So, uh, I wouldn't rule it out wholesale. Um, if you're looking for a natural show to compete in, 
by all means, don't take my word for it. You know, check out WNBF, look at past shows, look at the kind of turnout that they've had. Because um, the other thing in, in, the, in this show, I mean, the, my, my client, I would say like, yeah, she, she was probably worthy of a pro card, but the competition that she had to fight through in order to get it didn't really make it seem like she was worthy. It's like, you know, she, she was the only one that really looked like she had a good and successful prep up on that stage of three people. So, um, but by all means, check, dig in deeper and look at that. It's, uh, it's worth it, especially if you're, if you're short on options. So, um, let me see. One other thing. Yeah, th this is the other thing that I wanted to talk about. So this, there is a yet another um, competitive organization out there because if there's one thing we need, it's more organizations putting on shows, apparently. This is the WPC, the World Physique Championship, is the organization. So their website, WPC.world, which apparently that is now an actual website. I didn't know you could do that. Um, they are brand new. So they have two shows on the calendar. One of them is next weekend in Miami, and another one is three weeks after that in New York. Those are the only two shows. They have no past shows. They have not done anything yet. So um, <clears throat> they do things different here, and uh, of course I'm highly skeptical. We will see what the turnout for this is like. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious. So Let's click on uh, from from their website. If we go to about and then event structure, this is one of the things. And uh, I I can just imagine this going one of two ways. This could either be really cool or it could be an absolute total disaster. I don't really see any in between for this. Um, round one: all competitors in class. Competitors interstage individually with ten to twenty second open pose on the WPC hexagon podium. Whatever. Uh, competitors wait in back of line until their group of five is called forward for four quarter turns to the right. I don't know if that uh, if that is a call out or if that is just like taking people in groups of five in the order in which they came on stage. I don't know. Um, the top five advance to round two. So round two, quarter turns to the right. Top two advance to finals. Okay, great. Round three, finals, top two in class. 30-second head-to-head open pose down. Winners announced from the judges' results. Okay, great. Round four, all class winners. Oh, God. Okay. Four quarter turns to the right. Top two advance. Jeez, Louise. Okay. Ugh, this is seeming really inefficient at this point. So now you imagine in a, a normal show, you've gone through here. Now you've got your overall here. And uh, <laughs> <clears throat> this is lazy judging is what it is. Um, so you're looking at all your class winners. Um, and then what you're going to do is you're going to pick your top two. And then you're going to move them on to another round, which is a 30-second head-to-head open pose down. Why is this necessary? This seems like a giant waste of time. So class winners, how many, how many classes are we looking at here? Um, that is laid out under, uh, we'll go for women's classes here. So um, they have it broken down pretty well on their website. I like this. So... Um, if you have between one and 10 competitors, there's only one class, class A, and, and that's per division. If you have somewhere between 11 and 19, you've got two classes. If you've got between uh, 20 and 39 competitors, that breaks it down into three classes. And then if you've got 40 or more, it breaks it down into four classes. Okay, so all of your class winners get together for your overall. And let's say you've had 40 competitors in here. So you've got four classes. All four of your class winners then get together. Why does it take two rounds to determine who the winner is out of four? 
just do the pose down. Do the quarter turns of the pose down together. Save time. I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, it seems like this is something that was spitballed at a table and then just committed to a website without having a lot of thought put through it. And it wouldn't surprise me if um, after if this uh, organization hangs around for a year or two um, and they do well that we see these um, that this format change because it's horrifically inefficient as it's set up right now. Um, so that whole, um, you know, rounds system of, you know, everybody and then the top five and then the top two and then all your class winners and then the top two out of your four class winners, which just seems ridiculous. And then there is another another round for the championship only, which I guess is like the end of year event. So your, your overall winner here then goes against the current champion. Um, the problem with this then is... Um, <laughs> I can just imagine the current champion showing up and they're not in shape or whatever. Like they just didn't prep for it. Like who? I'm I'm only doing this as like a ceremonial thing. So whatever. So here I am. I'm 30 pounds off my stage weight. Check me out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that could actually be really hilarious. Um, so yeah, then you you uh, you have the the winner of round five. So the the winner of your top two overall versus your current champion. Which okay, at this point that current champion comes in and they're like, oh wait, I'm at this show too. Okay, cool. Uh, current champion enters stage, performs T walk. Both challenger and champion perform four quarter turns to the right. Sixty second open pose down. Good lord, we never ever need a 60 second pose down ever i can promise you that winner is announced from the judge's belt this is my favorite part of the website right here just because of how how strangely specific it is <clears throat> championship belt is strapped around winner's waist <laughs> like where else are you gonna put the belt uh post pose down interviews is part of round six as well great great just what we need that's awesome so i don't know uh, there's some potential there but this just seems like like each division is going to take, you know, two hours on stage is how it feels here. I don't know. I am, as you all know, the bodybuilding pessimist. And I, I feel like that is what this podcast should probably be renamed to because uh, I, I will take the default approach, uh, the, the default view of pessimism on pretty much anything new that comes out until I have been proven that it's actually a good idea. So I am keeping with that here. I just don't feel like this is a good idea. I, I'm also thinking that they are really ambitious in their class um, organizations here, like 40 or more competitors. I mean, it's good to plan ahead, but in the first year, I'm guessing there's going to be like five or six probably. Had, had you heard of this organization until, uh, until I mentioned it here? Um, well, the show is next week. So, eh. yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, now, clearly, I'm also not the most connected uh, individual with the latest news and happenings in the world of bodybuilding. Uh, the client sent this to me. So I think this was this from Sam, I think. Sam, did you send this to me? Um... Yeah, yeah, this came from Sam. So thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. Um, so uh, clearly she knows what's going on more than I do. Um, the FAQs here were interesting as well. Um, what is the? Di how does this differentiate from other physique competition leagues? So there, there are money payouts, um, which I think is kind of funny, based on how many people enter. Okay. Um, what is the prize money structure? Uh, how does it work? Uh, they're evolving the industry by paying out uh, competitors at every event. Uh, open professional event where even a first-time competitor can win thousands of dollars, which means it's not really a professional event. 
professional events have requirements, but whatever. Um, majority of competitor entrance fees goes directly to categories. Prize money payouts are based on number, number of competitors in your category. Um, so the, the more competitors you're competing against, the higher the prize money you're competing for. So I imagine like, you know, <laughs> encouraging all your friends to come compete against you. Like, but I don't do bodybuilding. Well, this is a great way to start. Get in there. Come on, compete in my class. Um, let me take your money. Probably harder than just beating them in poker. Um, what categories are offered? Um, you know, there's eight categories. Women's model, fitness model, bikini, figure, men's model, physique, classic physique, bodybuilding. Who can compete? Anybody with money can compete. Um, can they enter multiple categories at events? Yes. Mistake. Crossovers are going to be the death of this sport. Um, how do you win a championship belt? Who gives a fuck? Um, do you provide services, tan hair, makeup? Yes. Um uh, do you offer a commission on ticket sales to an event? Yes. That's interesting. Okay. So somebody uses your promo code to buy tickets. You get a 10% commission. That's interesting. Um, a way to, way to recoup, you know, $8 of your prep, ex- of your prep expenses. Uh, is there drug testing at uh, WPC events? Tested events will be listed as such, meaning no, there is not drug testing. Um, now, the other thing is, let's look at the category descriptions here, and then we'll wrap this up. So we'll go to women's model here. Um, I think it's hilarious. So they have this table, and this is this is a table that's printed at the bottom of the two show flyers that they have as well. It shows the prize money payouts um, for each placing here. And so it's, it is based on the number of competitors per category. So th- this... Um, table that goes on the bottom of these flyers is just a giant matrix of numbers. It's horrific graphic design to put that on a promotional flyer for something where you could just say, uh, you know, payouts up to blah, blah, blah. But the, the things that they have posted here, the numbers are just so unbelievably ridiculous. Um, it's like, why did you waste all this space on your flyer? Um, to show how much you can win if there are 300 competitors in your category. I mean, seriously. So if you t- if you win first and there are 250 to 300 competitors in your category, you can win $20,000. Yeah. Yeah, $20,000. Yeah. Fifth place, uh, if you take fifth place among 250 to $300, uh, you win $2,500. Great. Now, let's say uh, more realistically, let's say you're in a class of 12. Okay, first place wins 1600 bucks. That's not too bad. Okay, yeah, it's better than a jab in the eye with a pointed stick, as my mom might say. Um, first place is also the only person that wins any money at all. So <laughs> it isn't until you start to compete against 16 to 20 people where second place starts winning some money. And then not until you're in a class with 41 or more people in it does thir- third place win the paltry sum of 500 bucks. So um, the prize money payouts, yeah, reasonable. I mean, you know, you're in a class of six people. Okay, you take first. Okay, that's 800 bucks. You know, it's not, not going to break the bank. It's not going to change your life. But again, better than a jab in the eye with a pointed stick. Uh, it's not bad. Um, but it's just I, I question the usefulness of having this table that stretches out to a potential 300 competitors per category uh, to show that you can win $20,000 if you take first place. Just stupid. So, um Women's model, this category, the uniform, as they call it, is a bikini posing suit. (laughs) Uniform. I think that's funny. Um, This category is dedicated to the woman with a model physique that is healthy, balanced, conditioned, and aesthetic, and is also as vaguely described as possible. Sorry, that was my editorial, not theirs. Models should maintain healthy physique along with overall beauty, poise, and marketability. Marketability to who? 
to Pepsi or to uh, Gymshark. Okay, so aesthetic, <clears throat> feminine and overall wellness. Oh, God. Silhouette, healthy. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> A healthy silhouette. Yes, th- this, is, this is something that they actually say. So um, posing, balance, coordination, posture. Okay. Bodybuilding pessimist again. <laughs> he's 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 right there. He's about to blow a gasket here. Uh, Judge Don. <clears throat> Notably, the first thing in this list is marketability, symmetry, condition, stage presence, stage presentation, tan hair, makeup, walk. Okay, uh, and also noteworthy, uh, there is absolutely no uh, photo description of what this might look like. So, uh, women's fitness model. Let's take a look here. Uh, this division is dedicated to the woman who has an aspiring, I'm sorry, who has an inspiring and attainable physique that focuses on a look of inspiring to who that's different for everybody. That is not a judging criteria. Good God. Um, this physique also includes toned curves, uh, muscle tone. They've used that word twice now, uh, and rounded glute shape while being functionally fit. Functionally fit. Okay. Aesthetic is athletic. Silhouette, healthy and athletic. Uh, I'm not going to go on. It's, this is killing me here. I don't, this sounds like maybe more like a bikini division. I don't know. Um, Well, no, because then they have women's bikini. So good Lord. Um, This division is dedicated to the athletic woman who trains often to build her physique. Oh God. This sounds like something out of a 1960s magazine. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't go on. I can't go on. Women's figure, exceptionally fit, toned and conditioned, who enjoys training year round <laughs> without being overly muscular, feet taper, quad sweep, shoulder caps, glute hamstring tie in through defined and separated muscle lines with no striations. There we go again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Until somebody gets this right, sh- sh- here's what I should do. I feel like I should create a mock website for some new fake organization that shows how you actually do it. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, like what I would do is I would say, here are the categories. Here are photo representations of the categories. And honestly, if you can't find photos that you can purchase the rights to that, that, um, that uh, accurately demonstrate what you're looking for, um, you probably shouldn't be starting a new organization to put on shows. Um, I'd say, here is how things are judged. Here is how these criteria are weighted. Here's what our scoring sheets look like. Here is the format of our show. Now, granted, they did put that, although they they didn't say like how one category bleeds into the next necessarily. Um, they didn't say if, um, you know, because they are allowing crossovers, if somebody does one category, do they have to do all the shit in the other category that they're in as well? Probably. Um, so, and I think some of the rules are dumb, like allowing crossovers. My organization would not allow crossovers. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't mean to really get into it. I just wanted to really, uh, <laughs> the bodybuilding pessimist with Darren Starr. Here you go. Here's your podcast. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, to bring your attention to it. So once again, WPC.world. If you are in uh, Miami area and looking for a show next weekend, there's an option for you. Or in four weeks, if you're in New York, there's another option too. So um, worth checking out, I guess. If you know somebody who's competing, use their uh, promo code to buy your tickets and they can get like two bucks probably. So uh, help, help sponsor somebody's prep.
Anyway, there we go. I'm going to shut up now, mostly because my, my voice is tired and I need to go get a haircut, something fierce. So I'm going to do that. I appreciate you all listening. I really do. Once again, 865-518-2974 is a call-in number. Shoot me a note anywhere through social media. You know how to find me by now, right? Don't you? You don't? Okay. Let's see if we can do this now. Whew. Instagram at Darren underscore star, Twitter at Darren star, YouTube, Facebook, five star physique. You can email me Darren D A R I N at five star fitness. Oh God. It's that word in my email address. Shit.com. That's star with two R's websites, five star physique.com or the drop set.com. A call in numbers posted there as well. Once again, thank you all for listening. I'll be back on Monday.